0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Levine, today joined by Lila Bromberg and Cody Wilcox. We'll be previewing the biggest game of the season for Maryland football against Penn State this Friday night. And we'll start with that, with some Maryland football news. They cannot stay out of the injury report. Jake Funk retoured his left ACL in the Temple game, and it was just announced yesterday. What does that mean for this Maryland football team?
1: Well, first of all, I was kind of embarrassed because, like, at the press conference, Lockley said it, and I kind of, like, gasped because I was just, like, a fourth ACL injury. Uh, You know, you had three over the offseason – You had Antoine Richardson, who is set to start at safety, uh, tear his ACL in spring practice. And then over the summer and kind of like in fall camp, you had wide receiver Ja'Sean Jones, who was going to be the top receiver. And then linebacker Darrell uh, Chami, who wasn't going to play as big as a role, but was still kind of key on that depth chart. Uh, Both of them tore their ACLs. As we all know, Maryland has a history of ACL injuries, uh, especially at the quarterback position. And... You know, it's just really interesting to see this. Jake Funk, I think, is a big loss, a player that you really don't want to lose. He had a big impact on this team. And for me personally, I was just kind of shocked to hear about another one of these ACL injuries.
2: It was was pretty sad because, you know, it's been well-documented how much time and effort that somebody needs to, you know, put into the rehab to get back onto the field. And Jake did that all over. You know, the summer working with his brother, who is a certified uh, personal trainer, along with, you know, the, the Maryland training staff. And it's, it was just sad to hear. But uh, I think it, it's going to be tough to fill his role because in such a crowded running back room, he found other ways to make plays for the Terps. And they're definitely going to find need to find somebody to fill that role.
1: And you just got to feel for him. I mean, this is the same ACL that he tore last season against Ohio State. That was an injury that was kept a little bit quiet. And he dealt with that over the offseason. And, you know, that's got to be rough to then have to go through this whole process right after he's now kind of getting back into his groove. We talked about last week, we are kind of uh, shocked that he didn't play as much against Temple. And Loxley said that he injured uh, himself towards the start of that game. Um, and I think that's definitely a big blow, especially, like you said, on areas like special teams and things like that.
0: Yeah, so he did a lot with special teams, and he, he's a guy that really everyone on the field kind of looks up to him, and the players have called him Coach Funk, so I think that's just a big player to lose, especially with he was producing so well. He had a great game against Syracuse with that final drive and he ran all the way down the field on a few plays for a touchdown. So he's really a guy that they've relied on this season on both offense and special teams, and now he's not there. They're going to have to look for Lorenzo Harrison now, who we really haven't seen a lot from because he hasn't gotten the time with four stud running backs already. So now, and was
1: coming off a hamstring, you know, kind of mishap that they we weren't kind of the most clear on. But
0: So another guy with injury, like injury issues – it, it, it'll it be interesting to see how much load he gets because Funk really didn't he didn't get that much that many touches obviously with three running backs that get a lot of the time but it'll be interesting to see if Harrison sees a big role in the offense now
1: I mean the, yeah the impact of Jake Funk can't be overlooked yes you've got big guys like Javon Leak and Anthony McFarlane but you know Funk had just 17 attempts and had 173 yards and two touchdowns in three games this season. Uh, He's he played 25 games in his first two seasons with the program, but you know, injuries have restricted him to six games over the last two years, but on his career, he has 75 carries for 452 yards, which is six yards per carry seven and seven touchdowns. And, you know, he even played a role in the receiving game, 13 passes for 66 yards and two touchdowns and was just huge on the kick return, whether it was blocking and making tackles, or, you know, his 13 returns for 237 yards, averaging 18.2 yards per, per return in his career. It's just, I don't, you just can't, I think, sorry, we'll like edit some of that, but Jake is often a player that is overlooked a little bit, but he has a huge impact, and as you mentioned, they call him coach. He's someone that this team really looks to for leadership, and it seems like it's kind of as much as they say this is the next man-up mentality, it seems like this could be something that's kind of a big blow for them.
2: Yeah, I'm curious to see who slides back uh, to the kick-returning position with Javon Lee. Uh, Loxley was pretty high on uh, Rashad Lewis's playmaking ability and putting him back there. Maybe we even see DJ Turner back there with him because he's already uh, one of their uh, punt returners. But it'll be interesting to see who they go with back there with Javon.
1: And here's what some of the players had to say. I mean, they seemed pretty upset to hear the news. Uh first we've got a you know clip from Jayvon Leek who's in the running back room and then you know we got to hear from Josh Jackson as well.
3: I'm sick about Jake uh as my guy. You know, it's unfortunate what happened to him, but I know Jake he's still gonna be a good leader being on the sideline talking to us. So you know, I know Jake's upset right now, but there's definitely more to come for Jake, and I just hope he gets better. But losing Jake, even on special teams, is going to be big. You know, he was on kickoff, making a lot of tackles, running back, doing everything for us. So Jake is definitely a big loss.
1: And now Josh, that was sad.
3: I didn't realize it, or I didn't know, and I went in and asked him how he was doing, and he
0: told me that that, that. that was really unfortunate to hear um, from Jake because he's a big leader on the offense. Um, this brings a type of energy to the field um, every day um, he's very consistent um, he loves the game and you know it's very very unfortunate to hear that
1: so clearly the players are upset by what's going on and as we've talked about and they mentioned he just has this big leadership presence for this team do you think he can still have the same impact on the sidelines do you think that really Or do you think he's a guy that they really need on the field to have that momentum, have that drive? Because I know Loxley has said that he was like, I'm not supposed to say I have favorite players, but Funk is one of mine. He's one of the hardest working guys, always brings everyone up. How much does that factor into the rest of the season having him out?
0: I think it factors more into having him, or not having him at practice rather than in the game because he really didn't get that much time and that many touches in the games because of Anthony McFarlane and Javon Leak town fleet davis and really just the game plan didn't involve him so much in the first three games so i think having not having him at practice will really it it'll help or it will hurt the terps rather because he, uh, having him on the sideline we don't really know if he's going to bring that momentum and hype up the team the way he did when he's on the field during practice and we don't know if he'll push his teammates to practice as hard as as hard as they did when he was on the field with them. So I think that's something to look out for. But also during the games, he's always been on the sidelines when he's not getting the touches. So I think he's used to that already, like giving his team motivation on the sideline.
2: Yeah, I'm You know, Anthony McFarlane has previously said, we, we know about the coach funk stuff, but he, Anthony McFarlane has said that sometimes when he doesn't fully understand something or he's missing something, he relies on Jake to explain it to him and to show him what's right and I think that will be something that Jake will help out on the sidelines during the game but I'm a Loxley man Jake Funk's just, he's something he goes overlooked like you said Matt but he's somebody that's irreplaceable for this team.
1: And a genuine person I I don't think there's anyone on that team that is more kind and Mm -hmm. um, nice to the media and just a genuinely person who cares about this team cares about his teammates and really sets the tone for Maryland and as much as they say next man up mentality, I feel like that's got to be really tough to get over to see so many of your teammates go down with these brutal injuries. Like, do you think as a player that may then maybe makes you play a little differently because of the fear of an injury?
0: I don't know so much if they fear injury, but I think there might be some concern. I don't know if they're actually so scared to get hurt, but they definitely... Are, are afraid maybe that the, their teammates keep getting hurt because there's been so many ACL tears. There's been so many minor injuries that have kept players out for a game or two. So I think it's just a matter of when they are scared to get hurt, that's when they do end up getting hurt. But if they play without the fear, they'll be loose and they'll try to and continue to stay healthy.
1: Yeah. You mentioned other players, as we mentioned last week, Uh, Terrence Davis is going to be out for a decent amount of time uh, for most of the rest of the season, though he could come back towards the end. Uh, He'll be out for four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. Uh, Last week we saw injuries to Joseph Petrino um, with a groin, sorry, two weeks ago when they played Temple. That was a groin injury. Loxley says he will be back for this week, and he also A reporter asked this week why Daryl Jones didn't play as much against Temple, and Loxley said that he had a calf sprain, but is expected to play Friday. But one injury there that really concerns me is Terrence Davis being out. He had the most starts of anyone on the offensive line, uh, was arguably one of their best offensive linemen, and the offensive line has been a big big concern. Uh, And also, Jake Funk kind of helped with blocking a little bit, too, there when he was in, and they were going the upper guys. So I think... Protect the protection of Josh Jackson might be a big concern with that this week.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the offensive line responds after the showing against Temple, where Josh Jackson was hit and sacked multiple times. His rhythm was thrown off because of it, or at least it appeared that his rhythm was thrown off, and he it seemed like he was constantly looking over his shoulder for you know who's coming after him next. So we'll see how that matches up against you know one of the best defensive units. In the country in Penn State on Friday.
1: Right, and Mike Loxley said this week that uh, when we talked to him yesterday, that the team has taken the time this week and last week to get back to fundamentals, uh, getting some rest, while also getting a head start on Penn State. He says they aren't changing anything dramatically on the offense and is saying that Jackson's performance against Temple was an outlier. Is that how you guys feel? Do you think that that was just a blimp or are there major concerns there with Josh Jackson?
0: I think it's an outlier in a small sample size because we saw him in the first two weeks absolutely dominate both Howard and Syracuse. And then he came out and he looked shaky against Temple. And I don't know if it was because he kept getting hit. He had to escape a lot of pressure. And he made a few good plays while escaping pressure, but it was just, I think he's he said in, in week one that he was scared to get hit. So if that's still... A thing for him, because he was injured last year, if he's still scared to get hit, that threw off his rhythm against Temple. I think that is definitely the outlier in a small sample size. But if he does happen to struggle for the next few weeks against tough Big Ten teams, then I don't know if we can say that it was an outlier. And we can just say that maybe their offensive line can't protect him as best as they can. And he did get hit a lot against Temple, so I think the offensive line will really shape how Josh Jackson plays against Penn State.
2: And I think, I think we'll find out if it's an obviously we'll find out if it's an outlier on Friday because Temple was a really solid defense. Um, not to take anything away from Howard or Syracuse wins, but I think Temple and Penn State are up a little bit more defensively, in my opinion. So we'll find out on Friday if it's an outlier or not. I I'm still unsure about Josh Jackson, to be honest.
1: I think it's interesting because he clearly was incredible at Virginia Tech. Um, but you never know how someone is coming back from injury. Like uh, like Matt said, there can be that concern about getting hit and things like that. He said just the whole team felt off its rhythm against Temple, but I think that this bye week has done him a lot of good. Loxley said that he's had a lot of individual sessions with Jackson to go over film and different things like that, and I think that he can get back on track mentality-wise with having that extra week. And before we get into more about football, Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, non-revenues. Men's soccer just had a big game on Monday night.
0: Yeah, last night, men's soccer defeated St. John's, who was ranked number nine. So it was a big upset for Maryland. They won 1-0 in double overtime. And it came in the final minutes of the second overtime period. So it looked to be almost a draw. But then um, Maryland found a way to score in that one. Brett St. Martin nailed a shot after it ricocheted off some defenders. And that got the Terps the win. So another win that came at Ludwig Field where the Terps escape one to nothing, which they've now done quite a few times here at home. So I don't know if they can get back to the national championship that they won last year, but starting off slow, they did start off slow last season. They're now 4-3, and 0-1 in the Big Ten. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they continue that play. Now they go on the road, but it'll be interesting to see how they continue that play after starting slow.
1: And that was Maryland's first win over a ranked opponent so far this season. And while they looked, you know, I didn't think they looked the best in that game. Um, They barely managed any shots on goal. I believe they had 11 shots and only managed to get three of those on goal. Um, And really, it came down to final minutes. I think they could have been a bit more aggressive. It just seemed like shots were not going where they needed to go but they did do a great job defensively. St. John's is known as a really offensive power, and so they did a great job stopping them there. But I think that Friday's game that they played against Northwestern, I think, was a big concern, uh, you know, that isn't even considered that great of a team, and they lost 3-1. to one.
0: Yeah, well, I think this was a game where they really just didn't come out of the gates and dominate on offense, which they do. They don't dominate on the scoreboard, but – on, in the time of possession and how much time they have the ball on the other side of the field, they really do dominate teams and they win those games. But this time, Northwestern really had the ball almost the entire game and they controlled the pace. And Maryland's a team that has to control the pace in order to win. So they really didn't get that much going. And then they had that one goal from Brian Padilla who I thought that was a stunning goal. He kicked it with his left foot, which he uses a lot and curled it into the near post. But it was a game where Northwestern really controlled the tempo, and that and that kind of shaped the way the game ended in a 3-1 to one score in favor of the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, I'm just doubtful about how far they can go this season just because of the injuries that they've had. Obviously, any team coach by Sasha has a chance, and coming into the season, they missed a lot of the talent, but they had a decent amount. But now they've just dealt with so many injuries that... I think that's really starting to catch up to them a little bit.
2: I think they're just trying to keep their head above water at the moment. You know, they've, as you pointed to, Lila, they they gave up uh, a loss um, on Friday, Northwestern three to one, and they come back and beat a very notable opponent. So, it, it it's just been an up and down season for them as far as injuries and everything else goes.
1: And women's soccer has been really up and down too. They lose to Wisconsin in their Big Ten opener 3 0, but then they beat Minnesota 2 0 on Senior Day Sunday. And that was the first time that they had beaten Minnesota since joining the Big Ten. And Minnesota had always uh, managed to outscore them. And, you know, they really were able to erase that and set the tone this year. Um, Alyssa Porsche and uh, Michaela Days both scored goals and both have been a huge offensive power for them. But the Big Ten is a tough division for women's soccer. And given this, while the team is 5-3-2 uh, and two right now, I think they're going to start facing more and more adversity. Um, but I do think that they look better than they have in recent years, already surpassing their win total from 2018.
2: I agree. I think they, they look a lot better. But the team still hasn't been able to put uh, together back-to-back wins since their first two games against Georgia Southern and New Jersey Institute of Technology. So... When they travel to Piscataway uh, this upcoming week, we'll have to see how they respond to uh, their latest win and see if they can put two back-to-back.
1: And another team that opened up Big Ten play over this past week was field hockey. Uh, they defeated number 24 Penn State 3-1 to on Friday. And, you know, they've now won four straight games and Noel Frost has been incredible in goal for them with 28 saves and just six goals allowed, and they're about to face a big matchup tonight. By the time this podcast comes out, the game will have already have been played, but they'll be facing uh, number six, Princeton.
0: Yeah, that game is Tuesday night tonight in College Park, a rematch of the Final Four from last year, and the Terps actually played Princeton twice last year, winning both of them in overtime. The first one came on September 18th last year and Maryland won 5-4 to four in double overtime and then they faced each other again in the final four and Maryland won that one one to nothing in a, in a single overtime on a B.B. Donrat game-winning goal, eventually became the Big Ten Freshman of the Year and that goal sent them to the national championship. So this is a game and, it's, and two teams that have a lot of history together and with each other and I don't think we can put anything past them after Maryland's won four straight games. Now they've one loss which came to Duke, who was ranked number three at the time and is now number two. So they're one spot ahead of Maryland. But I think Maryland always finds or usually always finds a way to kind of beat these really high ranked teams. And they are one of those high ranked teams. They're number three, but they're playing the number six team in Princeton. And I think it's a big game and I think they are very well coached enough to beat a team like Princeton.
2: And because the game's tonight, and by the time we drop the podcast, the game have already been played. I'm gonna make a prediction. All right, Terps win five straight, one zero Maryland in College Park.
1: Does it go to overtime? Because there's a huge history of that with Princeton. Double overtime. Double overtime. Double overtime. I'm not looking forward to editing double overtime games tonight,
2: <laughs> two in a row. Well, if <laughs> it's my prediction, then you know it's gonna be wrong. So. <laughs>
1: uh. And with volleyball, they're going to be starting Big Ten play on Wednesday against Ohio State. They had a historic weekend recording their 1,000th win in program history, while Erica Pritchard recorded her 1,000th career kill, even though she is just a junior. The Big Ten is the best volleyball conference in the country. How are they going to do this year in Big Ten play, guys?
0: I think they'll do a little bit better than they did last year. And last year, they were kind of in the middle towards the end, towards the bottom of the Big Ten. But I think they'll be in the middle again, maybe a little bit towards the top this time. I think they have a lot of talent and a lot more experience than they did last year. They returned a lot of starters and a lot of players. Really, they lost two players in Liz Twilly and Abigail Benz mainly. But I think with the experience and with Adam Hughes now having some more experience coaching Maryland, they have a good shot to compete in this conference which is one of the best in the country and they have a shot to get back or try to make the tournament which they haven't done in a long time so i think this is a big season for volleyball and a big conference that they're playing in. it'll be they'll, they'll have a lot of tough games but they'll come out in probably the middle of the pack in the big Ten.
2: and i'm a man it's it's adam hughes it's his second season correct yes uh, yeah so i think he'll show a little bit of more improvement uh with the team this year and I'm he actually stole the words right out of my mouth. I think they're going to be a much better team this year, and about middle of the pack, a little above that as well.
1: Yeah, last season they finished in 8th place going 9 and 11. You know, so not great, but it was actually their best record in Big 10 since joining in 2014, but I have to say I'm a little bit concerned they went 8 and 4 in non-conference play. I would have liked to see you know, a bit more wins there. I think there are some losses that they shouldn't have lost. And I think also a lot of games have gone to fifth sets and I think they need to come a, come out a bit more aggressive from the jump. So we'll see that. And now the matchup everyone has been waiting for. Let's get back to talking about Penn State. And while there seems to be more optimism this year, the history uh, with Maryland and Penn State is certainly lopsided towards the Nittany Lions.
0: Penn State leads the all-time series. Their record is thirty-eight-two and one, and Penn State is thirteen and one all time when playing Maryland in College Park. So, obviously, history in favor of the Nittany Lions, and it has been in the last couple seasons. Maryland hasn't won against Penn State since twenty fourteen, and that came in against Penn State at Penn State. So, it's another matchup here in College Park, which has gone in favor of penn state almost every time and the last two seasons that they've played maryland only put up six combined points a field goal in each of those games so that's something that i think will be broken this time i think maryland will definitely score a touchdown this this game on friday but it's interesting to see how they've only put up six combined points in the last two seasons against penn state
2: yeah, and I remember uh, watching these games. Uh, I was uh, watching with some family friends who are Penn State fans, and uh, that game did not go over so well and while we were in the same room for one of them and at the game for the other one. So I definitely think they'll put up more points, and it should be a little bit more offensive production on the Terps on this time.
1: Right, so if you look at the past two matchups, last year uh, they lost – Penn State was ranked number 15th in the country. They lost 38-3, and that was at Penn State. Maryland, who was known for its rushing, especially last season, only had 74 rushing yards, getting just 2.1 yards per attempt. They only managed 13 first downs and 4.4 yards per play overall. And uh, Tyrell Pigram, who was the quarterback for them at the time since it was towards the end of the season, and Kasim Hill had gone down a little bit, um, he was sacked five times in the team had two fumbles they clearly can disrupt maryland's strengths or at least they have in the past
0: well now i think maryland's offense is a completely changed team obviously with a new quarterback and josh jackson and not to say that kasim hill and tyrell pigram can't throw the ball but josh jackson is much more talented in passing the football and penn state really hasn't seen that from maryland in quite a long time so Now, obviously, Penn State's defense is one of the best in the country currently. I think it'll be interesting to see how they go against a passing offense in Maryland. And we always talk about the run for Maryland, but I think their running game will slow down a lot this week because the front seven for Penn State is really solid. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Maryland comes out passing the ball and if Penn State can guard that because they really haven't seen that from the Terps in a few years.
1: Yeah, and if you look especially their quarterback struggles. Uh, then in the 2017 matchup against Penn State, where Maryland lost 66-3, you had the third-string quarterback, Max, Bortenschlager in it, quarterback. And this was concerning because it kind of sounds not as bad as last game against Temple, but there's definitely some struggles on third down and fourth downs, which we saw last game. The trips converted one of 15 third down attempts, went 0-3 on fourth down attempts in that 2017 matchup. Bortenschlager was sacked five times, and the team had... Four fumbles, this week, you know, both of those games were the last game of the season. This week, both teams are coming off of bye weeks. Does that factor into this at all?
2: You know, I I asked Loxley in uh, the press conference, and I said, you know, the game's on Friday this week. Does that have any challenges that come with it? How will that impact you? And he said, you know, maybe maybe on a regular week because everything's moved up. But considering that they had the bye week. Both teams had the bye week, excuse me. It allows them to restructure their schedule. And Loxley said that they had their Monday practice on Sunday and they just moved everything up. So I think it'll obviously be beneficial for both teams to have that early in the season, especially coming after uh, non conference play going into the Big Ten play. Uh, so we'll have to see how that uh, impacts them on Friday.
0: And I think Loxley's a very solid coach in preparing week by week and now they're they've had two weeks to prepare for Penn State so I think that'll definitely obviously it'll work out for both teams preparing for that one game two weeks to prepare for that but it'll work more towards Maryland because Penn State they're always the better team they're usually the better team against Maryland so Maryland's gonna have to do more preparing to beat them and I think Loxley does a good job of doing that week by week and now they've had the bye week which allows them to have multiple weeks to prepare for the knit Lions. lines
2: And one thing I'll add real quick is that we, we try we talked to a few players yesterday and we asked them about the hype surrounding the game you know the university's bringing extra bleachers for students like it's the blackout game it's Friday night prime time you know and every one of them pretty much said you know it's just another game we're just taking it you know week by week Loxley describes it as a journey and every one of them just said that it's just another game.
1: And speaking of journeys, it's interesting to note that when Mike Loxley took over the program as an interim head coach in 2015, while he didn't do great as an interim head coach, he did do well, you know, decently in his first game. It was against Penn State was his first game. And despite just coming into the job and all the chaos going on with the program at the time, he almost led the Terps to beat Penn State. They lost 31-30. And so clearly, you know, he knows James Franklin well. Um, there's a history there. And I think that, you know, even when he was underprepared, when he wasn't the type of coach he was now, um, he managed to, you know, figure out Penn State a little bit. I think that can be a positive sign, and that'll uh, be interesting for him to now, you know, play them again as head coach for Maryland. And as we said, you know, the team is trying to focus just on this week. They'd like to focus on themselves. But let's hear a little bit of what Loxley did have to say um, about Penn State in this matchup.
3: I mean, they're a well-coached team um, in all three phases. You know, they've got dynamic skill at the receiver position. You know, number one is a big-time player for them. You know, they've they've got three guys. I know Justin Shorter, the big, big single-side receiver, is about a six-four, two hundred thirty-pound, really physical guy. They rotate three running backs in there, but I think it all starts with the quarterback, Clifford. Um, he's a guy that can beat you with his arm and his legs. Uh, you know, he's made plays where I've seen him run away from defenses uh, as a ball carrier, but also has thrown the ball really well. You know, when you look at those guys on defense, I think up front, their front four are very concerning to us, along with the two inside backers. Their front seven, uh, very stout, very athletic. Uh, again, and they've got a lot of experience when you look back on the back end with the secondary as well. So, um, You know, Hamler also serves as a returner, so in the uh, kick game, uh, we've got to do a great job of making sure we can contain him. And, you know, again, I think these guys are a well-coached bunch, and and they got them playing at a high level. And so for us, we're going to have to obviously match them with their execution and how we approach the game. And uh, I think, you know, Friday our guys will be excited about this opportunity, but we're going to have to go out and play well uh, to have an opportunity to, to take care of business.
1: Now, one thing he mentioned there is the defense. Both Maryland and Penn State come into this game ranking in the top 15 nationally in a ton of defensive categories, which we put out a graphic for this week. Um, In terms of points allowed, Maryland has only allowed 13.3 per game, with Penn State at 10 per game. Uh, Maryland has the edge in sacks per game at 4.33, while Penn State is at 3.67. In terms of rushing yards allowed, Penn State has a slight edge per game, allowing 70.7, while Maryland has allowed 73.7. In terms of tackles per loss, Maryland has had 8.3 per game, Penn State has had 10.3, and in terms of first downs per game, Maryland has allowed 14.33, and Penn State has allowed 15.67. What stands out to you from from that stat line?
0: I think the points allowed for Penn State in 10, but then again, I look at their schedule and they've only really faced one slightly real team in Pitt, and they've allowed 10 points per game in three games, so I think that's interesting. They're finally playing a real tough opponent, and Maryland already had that tough opponent against Syracuse, and they're still only... Allowed 13.3, which is 3.3 more points per game than Penn State is allowed. And Penn State has played those quote unquote cupcake teams, as everyone likes to call them. But Maryland really did have that tough matchup already, and they're still right there with points allowed, really low at 13.3. So I think this game's really interesting as Penn State finally having their first real test of the season. I'm going to cheat,
2: and I'm going to say two numbers and put them together. OK, <laughs> uh, so uh, obviously the sacks with three point six seven really stands out, along with the tackles for loss with ten point three. That just tells me that they're coming after you, whether you're running the ball, or you're passing the ball. They are sending their linebackers, their defensive linemen after the quarterback and the running back in the backfield. So we'll have to see how, you know, Josh Jackson and Anthony McFarlane and crew uh, match up against them, especially with the, the struggles at offensive line, like we said.
1: But I like to see that Maryland has a bit more sacks than them at 4.33, and I think that'll be interesting. You know, Loxley mentioned quarterback uh, Sean Clifford, and you know, while he has been impressive so far, and we'll get into him a little bit, um, it is his first year starting uh, after Trace McSorley is now with the Ravens, and Keandre Jones and Shaq Smith have clearly so- shown that they can really get after a quarterback. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup to see. I don't think that. I think that Maryland's defense is much stronger than it has been in recent years, and I don't think that you're going to no- see another game where where Penn State is able to score 66 points against Maryland.
2: Yeah, we'll see. It's his first uh, you know, true road start as a starter, and it'll be in a, an environment that we expect will be pretty crazy, pretty rowdy. Uh, so even though he has a 78% completion percentage, 781 passing yards, Six touchdowns and zero interceptions. Things are different on the road as we saw last or two weeks ago against Maryland against Temple.
1: Another thing that I think is interesting about the defense is the rushing yards allowed. As we mentioned in last year's matchup, Maryland's rush was really stifled by Penn State. Does that happen again this year? Do you think Maryland will have more luck in the passing game or running game against Penn State?
0: I think they're going to have to do a mix of both and see what works at that time. Because, as I said, the front seven for Penn State's defense, their line and their linebackers are really, really solid among the nation's best. And they can stop the run. And we've seen that they get to the quarterback as well. So, and they they tackle for loss. That also goes into running backs losing yards. So I think it's interesting that with their front seven, that can easily stop a run but they haven't faced a running back crew like Maryland's yet all season. So that's something to look at, whether Maryland's running backs can get past the front seven, because if they do, and they usually do break a tackle or two every time they touch the ball. So I think that matchup is really something to look at. And if Maryland's forced to pass the ball, can Josh Jackson have a bounce back game? Can he do well against his top defense? And can that game against Temple be an outlier like Loxley said?
1: But I think that if you're going to have that success on the run, you have to have more creativity. As we talked about last week, I was not a big fan of the play calling against Temple. I think that they needed to show a bit more versatility in how they were using their running backs in terms of, uh, you know, not just running the ball up the middle. And, and I think when you play a team like Penn State that is kind of similar to Temple and having a really strong upfront up front defense, you have to find new ways to kind of trick them out and new ways to use your running back so that you know you're giving yourselves a chance and um, I know that this week Javon Leak mentioned you know uh, kind of running you know some like outside pitches and uh, really running on you know the outside edge and I think that could be a really big factor for them is really just mixing up the play calling like that but I do think that just given how well Penn State defends for Rush I think that there might be a bit more reliance on passing in this game. Um, of course, we'll see with that, but I think that Josh Jackson could have a big bounce-back game.
2: And I think this is really when Loxley brings out you know, his running backs. We've, we've seen multiple running backs in formations before, but I think he lets them loose against Penn State, and I think they get more involved in the passing game because I think with Penn State coming after the quarterback and the running back it sets up the play action pass and that's when you get Anthony McFarlane one-on-one with a linebacker in the open field so I think the running backs will be completely involved in the passing game uh, and they might you might even see one of them as the leading receiver
1: I'm excited to see McFarlane uh, line up against this defense uh, specifically linebacker he'll face Micah Parsons He already this year has 20 total tackles and four tackles for loss. And last year he finished with a team high 83 tackles and was the first freshman in program history to lead Penn State in tackles for a season. And he's definitely, I think, an NFL talent. Another NFL talent on that team is defensive end Yutur Gross Matos. Uh, Right now, Mel Kuyper from ESPN has him rated as the 16th best prospect for the 2020 NFL Draft. He has you know, only six tackles right now, but he's tied for eighth in the country with Maryland's Keandre Jones with 3.5 sacks. And both of those are just monster guys who I think will both end up being first round picks.
0: Yeah, I think Parsons is the guy that really stands out to me. I've You were high on him last week. I was high on him last week and I've been following him kind of since he was in high school when he committed to Penn State. And I, I, like he this guy is he's a monster his size he's huge and he's really just he's a solid solid player and he led the team in tackles last season with 83 and he was the first freshman to ever lead Penn State in tackles so that shows what he can do in a conference like the Big Ten and I think as Lila just said he is on pace to be a first round pick eventually maybe even a top 10 pick and I think he's really going to give the Terps offense a tough test that I do think Josh Jackson has seen before and is prepared for. So I think it's a big matchup, another one that we'll see. And I think their defense against Maryland's offense is really the storyline in this game.
1: If I'm Coach Loxley, I think one thing that I, you know, obviously not a coach, but like if I'm him, I would be practicing situations where in practice where Josh Jackson is clearly getting that pressure um, because I think it's just going to be an inevitable in this game that you know that Penn State's defensive line can probably outpower Maryland's offensive line especially with the injury to Terrence Davis and so I think that Josh Jackson needs to be prepared to know that he's going to have to face a lot face a lot of pressure and know that he needs to make those quick decisions on the runs to not get phased by that defense and I think I think they mentioned doing that a little bit in practice, where if you're getting him in those situations where he's con- constantly practicing with having guys in his face, with having the pressure, having the throw on the run, having to make those moves, I think that'll find them success. But I think if they go into this game um, not expecting that pressure or not prepared as much for what to do in those situations, I think that could really uh, end up hurting the Terps.
2: Yeah, we always talk about quarterbacks, haven't I? clock in their head you know one mississippi two mississippi three mississippi get rid of it i think josh jackson might have to speed up that clock just a tad bit this weekend in order for him to get the ball out of his hand with those two probably first round draft picks coming after him
1: who do you think on the offensive line steps up this week
2: that's a good question i think i think we're going to a veteran guy I think Ellis McKenney steps up this week, and I think he does a good job for the Terps so that they're able to put some points on the board.
1: And I think that, you know, seeing Sean Christie out there will be interesting. Um, I could, you know, while Johnny Jordan's a center, I think that um, he might, you know, step to fill up. I, I think he's a guy that can kind of handle two guys at once a little bit, but we'll see what goes on there because there is a lot of talent there. Uh, on Penn State and uh, it's definitely going to be a struggle to you know get stuff going on offense and in terms of defense we mentioned uh, how great Maryland's defense is obviously Penn State's is as well and uh, you know we talked about Sean Clifford a little bit what do you guys think of Penn State's running back room they've had two uh, first round draft picks out of that room for the past two years so obviously a well-coached group and you know kind of a system there
0: well you gotta look at the two guys they've had, one being Saquon Barkley, who's now for the New York Giants. (laughs) Um, And everyone in football, everyone in sports knows who he is. So these are guys that uh, they're really well coached, as Lila said. So now if you look at their main guy in Journey Brown, he's received the majority of the carries. He has 21 carries for 175 yards and two touchdowns, which isn't that much in just three games, 175 yards, because I I assume that they move more towards passing the football this season, but these are guys that they touch the ball and they can really run all over the field, but I think it's more of they haven't really used the run too much because they haven't needed to. They've beaten those. The only tough game they had was against Pitt, but I think 21 carries for 175 yards, it shows that he can do a lot, but he hasn't Done it yet. And I think we're we're waiting to see what Brown can do for Penn State, but I don't know if it'll come against Maryland this week because Maryland's defense has been really, really solid against the run, as we mentioned earlier. So I think that's another interesting matchup in this game.
1: And on the receiving end, KJ Hamler, who Loxley mentioned, looks really, really good. He right now has 10 receptions for 245 yards and two touchdowns and uh he's something that i think the secondary is really gonna have to look out for
2: yeah and the last time that penn state played maryland he had three catches for 90 yards he didn't score but he's obviously a playmaker that they'll have to keep an eye on
0: yeah he's a guy that can really just make space for himself and get open and he's he's really fast he's a quick wide receiver so if their secondary can keep up with him assuming it's tino ellis guarding him maryland's arguably best cornerback who picked up two late penalties against Temple that could have cost them a win. But I think if he, if Tino Ellis is able to keep up with Hamler and Hamler's speed, that should be a matchup that goes in favor of Ellis. But Hamler can easily dominate that matchup and he can break out for a huge game against the Terps.
1: And there's going to be some extra meeting in that game for Maryland. Loxley has talked a lot about Coach Frigen coming back as an honorary captain. There's going to be a lot of players back. And I think that'll be really interesting to see how that fires up his team. He's considered one of the best coaches in Maryland history. You know, his firing was very controversial. Fired in 2010 after winning 10 games and being named, you know, one of the top coaches in the ACC. Uh, I believe he was named ACC coach of the year that year. Uh, do you guys think that plays a factor at all in the game? Just having... You know alumni there like Tori Smith, um, Sean Merriman, you know Frieden. Do you think that gives the Terps some extra motivation?
2: Well, I said when Maryland in the schedule when doing our schedule predictions that the homecoming jerseys for Michigan would give the Terps an extra boost, and I think them announcing this is just another. Thing that'll get the Turps going along with such a great crowd that is expected you know the blackout game it's a friday night it's prime time uh the stage is set for them, so i think it works in their benefit and they're, they're even more fired up
0: yeah i think having guys that went through the program and coached the program played for it the the current players want to show the older guys what they can do and they want to show out for them and they really not that they want to prove to them, but they want to kind of give them a glimpse of what they can do. And I think they all have a fire in their bellies now to perform well against Penn State and not disappoint the older generation of Maryland football.
1: And you can make a statement against the number 12 team in the country. Uh, And right now, Maryland is not, you know, obviously favored. Penn State is favored by six and a half points. And Odd Shark has the over-under at 60 can we have some better luck with our predictions this week?
2: Time will tell.
1: <laughs> what is your prediction, Cody?
2: You know, I called Maryland when we I just mentioned we did our schedule predictions at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with the Terps. I have them winning 27-24, and Coach Fregion gets a nice little homecoming.
0: My prediction, I'm also picking Maryland, 31-27. And the reason I'm going with Maryland is because other than the skill set that Penn State has, I think everything goes in favor of the Terps. They're playing at home. Penn State hasn't played on the road yet this season. They really haven't faced a big team like Maryland yet either. That also goes in favor of Maryland. Maryland is a much better team than Pitt. (laughs) And they also face Pitt at home, so... I think being on the road playing against a tough team like Maryland who was ranked two weeks ago and also being that it's the Friday night primetime game, blackout game, where all the students or pretty much all the student seats are going to be filled and a lot of fans are going to show out for this game, that gives a lot of energy behind the players and that causes them to play better. And you can't can't really argue against that when you have your home fans there that home team always plays better, and that's home field advantage, and Maryland has that in this one. I think they escape 31-27 against Penn State.
1: I think you guys are being just a little too optimistic. I think that if Maryland had showed up better against Temple, I would have said Maryland would win this one. Um, I think of the Big Ten powers now, I think Maryland has a better chance to beat Michigan just because of how that team has looked. I... I see this being a much closer game than recent years, but I don't think I can see Maryland winning uh, while while there are a lot of factors in Maryland's favor. I think that at the end of the day that um, it's just going to be a hard matchup with the offensive line uh, of Maryland and the defense of uh, Penn State. And I think that Penn State is just a really, really talented team. They're obviously very well coached. So I think I'm going to give it a 35-24 prediction with Penn State winning. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I think, I don't know, I think you guys are being a little optimistic.
2: We'll have to see. The Terps, Terps, you know, they win the two games, and everybody's believing in them, and they lose the one at Temple, and it feels like everybody's just dropped off.
1: Well, it's more of like how Syracuse, for me at least, it's more of how Syracuse has looked. I think that... Syracuse hasn't proved to be as good of a team as we thought. And I think that people put a lot of stock into that win. But, you know, maybe Syracuse wasn't that good of a team and Temple just lost to Buffalo. I think that um, it's not a good look for Maryland. And I think that there's a lot of similarities in defense between uh, Temple and Penn State, just in terms of the talent that they have up front. And I think that that could pose some problems uh, for the Turks.
0: I'm not a big fan of really looking at how other teams Maryland lost to if they lost to someone else because on any given game anything can happen and that's why I think coming here a lot of people aren't really expecting Maryland to even be in this game Lila you're giving them a good shot to win at 35-24 at Penn State that's a close call but Cody and I have the Terps winning and I think a lot of people don't really or aren't really giving them a chance at all because they're looking at who they've lost to already and they're kind of overlooking that we that Maryland really did beat Howard and they beat Syracuse. And although you did say Syracuse hasn't really proved themselves, they were number 22 at the time. So Maryland coming 21. Off, 21, sorry. So coming off that ranked win against Syracuse, they then didn't really play that well against Temple. And I think, as Loxley said, that was an outlier game for Josh Jackson. I think he performs really solid in this game against Penn State. And he really had tough competition in the ACC at Virginia Tech. So I think this is his first really, really, really hard team to face as Syracuse hasn't proven themselves just yet. But Penn State is a team that always proves themselves, and I think Josh Jackson will come out and have a really solid game. I
1: think it's interesting if Maryland does win, like you said, I think that could really put them in a good spot for the season. Um, You know, As we mentioned, Penn State is currently number 12 in the country. Um, That would certainly put Maryland back into the rankings. And then the week after they have a game that I would be shocked if they didn't win against Rutgers. That's an away game. But I still would be kind of shocked if they didn't take that. And so I think that then you can have those. If they win this game, they could then go on a two-game streak. Um, And then after that, they face Purdue. Uh, and Indiana, which I think they could win both of those games. And um, I think if Maryland does win, that's a huge momentum boost. But at the same time, I thought that Syracuse would be a huge momentum boost, and then it kind of ended up hurting them. But I think now they know that they need to have the right mentality. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, like, they see the mistakes they made against Temple, Temple's defense and, you know, are extremely prepared. I think that Loxley will have a great game plan. But I just think in the end – I. I think it'll be a lot closer, but I think that in the end that, you know, Penn State is just has a bit more talent and just has more experience in games like this.
0: I think the first eight games for Maryland this season are winnable games or the most winnable on their schedule. As they end their last four games are against Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Michigan State. What
1: a brutal schedule to end the game.
0: <laughs> so I think those are arguably the four best teams they play aside from Penn State. So I think losing to Temple can actually benefit Maryland because there's usually no way that a team goes 8-0 and to start the year unless you're Clemson or Alabama. Maryland's not that. so. They're not. They weren't going to go eight and zero to start the year, and the first eight games are winnable. So if they lose to a team like Temple, who probably will win their conference, and it's not a Big Ten loss, I think this can help them beat Penn State, beat Rutgers, probably Purdue, Indiana, and Minnesota, and maybe come out of there six and two or seven and one, and then you're looking at a bowl game already, and the whole season is just con- completely shaped or turned around after losing the temple and everyone's saying it's such a bad loss and whatnot but it could actually benefit them because they needed to lose one of those games and I think that was the best game to lose
1: yeah Loxley said he was glad to see the disappointment um which is a very savin esque thing to say but he was glad to kind of see them knock down and see the kind of hard work that they need to do and that hard work is definitely going to be needed this week um it'll definitely be an interesting game and one that I'm definitely excited to cover.
0: So stay tuned for all of the coverage with Testudo Times for this football game on Friday, arguably the biggest game that College Park has seen in a long time. So stay tuned for all of that. And thank you for listening to the weekly podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Network.